0: Right now my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style/murderish. That's armoire.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash murderish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. Optimists have a tendency to see the best in people, sometimes to their own detriment. According to Healthline, an individual's calling to fix other people's problems is referred to by psychologists as a savior complex, or white knight syndrome. A savior complex would explain the unlikely friendship between Ashley Young and Jared Chance. While many others had given up on Jared, Ashley wanted to believe that her positive influence could set him on the right path. Unfortunately, Ashley's unwavering loyalty put her in grave danger. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I walk you through the case involving Ashley Young. This case takes us to Grand Rapids, Michigan, the state's second largest city. Grand Rapids is located roughly 30 miles from Lake Michigan and around 160 miles from Detroit. Historically, the city has played a key role in both automobile and aviation manufacturing. While the city does boast a vibrant art scene, Grand Rapids also has a high rate of violent crime. In 2018, there was a steady increase in homicides According to MLive.com, the city's homicide rate nearly doubled between 2018 and 2019. Despite this, the mid-sized city appeals to younger demographics for its affordability and diverse nightlife. Jared Chance rented the upstairs unit of a rental home on the southeast side of Grand Rapids. His home on Franklin Street was a five-minute drive to the city's downtown entertainment district. He and his friend, Ashley Young, had been close friends at one point in time, but had a major falling out. In November of 2018, Ashley made the 50-mile drive from her apartment in Kalamazoo to Grand Rapids, hoping to reconnect with her long-lost friend. Ashley Regina Marie Young was born on January 14, 1987, in Grand Haven, Michigan. She was considered a miracle baby. At age 18, Doctors had told her mother, Christine, that she was unable to have children. Christine felt blessed when she learned of the pregnancy, and from the moment her daughter was born, they shared a deep bond. Ashley enjoyed an idyllic childhood on the shores of Lake Michigan, alongside her younger stepbrothers, Andrew and Adrian. The boys' mother, Dana Nelson, was the longtime partner of Christine Young, from an early age, both moms recognized Ashley's huge heart. Christine Young spoke about her daughter with the news station WZZM, saying Ashley was full of life. She was kind to people. She didn't like people being bullied. She was laughter and smiles most of the time. She was headstrong at times. You were lucky to have her as a friend. Being nurturing and kind was second nature to Ashley. Her positivity and vivaciousness was infectious. According to the Daily Mirror, her best friend Samantha Hunt said that Ashley would hide handwritten notes for her to find on a bad day, containing cheerful phrases like, If I bought you a smile, would you wear it? Ashley's empathetic nature set her apart from so many people her age. Samantha also sang Ashley's praises to MLive.com, telling them, If you knew Ashley, she was literally the sunshine of your life. She was just amazing and beautiful. She could make anyone laugh. As Ashley approached her teens, she pursued her passion for music and the performing arts. Soon after graduating from Grand Haven High School in 2005, she got her own place in Kalamazoo, where she enrolled in community college. While completing core classes, Ashley took a job in a group home for mentally disabled adults. She loved helping those less fortunate and remained employed there for over a decade. In more recent years, Ashley had moved on to a position at a call center for PNC Bank. She planned to resume her studies at Western Michigan University with a focus on language and culture. Sadly, Ashley never got the opportunity to bring those goals to fruition. While she was enrolled at Kalamazoo Valley Community College, Ashley met Jared Chance through mutual friends. Her warm smile and welcoming presence must have been a comfort to Jared, who had a rocky past dating back to his teen years. Jared James Chance was born on January 29, 1989 in Davenport, Iowa, to parents James and Barbara. James Chance, who was a seasoned Davenport police officer, retired a few months later and moved the family to Holland, Michigan. Two years later, James and Barbara Chance had another son, who they named Conrad. Jared never really got along with his little brother. They fought constantly as children. And as they approached their teen years, disagreements exploded into physical violence. In 2011, Jared began having run-ins with the law. According to the Michigan Department of Corrections, in June of 2011, he was arrested for assaulting a Holland police officer. For this offense, Jared faced a minimum sentence of 18 months, but the charges were later dismissed. This would become a pattern in his criminal record. Two charges of possession of a controlled substance in July of 2015 were also dismissed. It's a matter of speculation whether having a retired cop as a father played a factor in the outcome of Jared's arrest. Some sources have stated that shoplifting and drunk driving arrests exist in Jared's history, but his criminal record contains no mention of them. The scope of Jared's violent outbursts and history of substance abuse would not be fully understood until years later. In January of 2019, Wood TV News 8 obtained information through a public records request to the Holland Department of Public Safety, Police reports detailed a history of violent incidents involving Jared Chance that dated back to 2016. Many of them involved drugs and alcohol. According to Wood TV, in January of 2016, Holland police were called to the Chance residence in response to an alleged assault. Conrad had accused his older brother of stealing his stash of marijuana, and Jared claimed that it was actually Conrad who stole his stash of weed. The two brothers got into a physical fight over the issue, which led to law enforcement being contacted. According to a police report, Conrad later told officers that his older brother had held a blowtorch to his face and lashed him repeatedly with a stick. A similar incident occurred a month later. After several months passed without incident, Jared contacted authorities to report strange behavior outside of the family home. He claimed to see three men in the backyard wearing camouflage and carrying rifles. By the time officers arrived, there was no one around, which made Jared's claim seem more like paranoia, perhaps drug-induced. Several months later, however, Jared was attacked outside of the home by three men wielding a baseball bat. In 2007, Jared Chance graduated from Holland High School and briefly enrolled at Grand Rapids Community College. No details about him being employed have been made public, but we can surmise that Jared either earned enough money to afford his rent or his parents supported him financially during this time. By 2016, Jared's criminal behavior had put a major strain on his friendship with Ashley Young. According to Christine Young, in an interview with WZZM, her daughter had cut ties with Jared after he broke into her apartment and stole several items he later sold for drug money. In early 2018, a mutual friend reached out to Ashley via Facebook Messenger. This friend convinced Ashley to reconnect with 29-year-old Jared, saying that he was remorseful for his past misgivings and wanted to make things right. Ashley believed in second chances and decided to reach out to her old friend. Christine Young told WZZM she was not pleased to learn that her daughter was talking to Jared again, saying, Ashley knew I didn't like him. Some people are just bad. She wore rose-colored glasses. But Ashley, then 31, was an adult, and Christine had no choice but to respect her daughter's decision. Throughout 2018, Ashley and Jared exchanged friendly messages before making plans to get together. On the afternoon of November 28, 2018, Ashley drove to Grand Rapids for a visit. Early that evening, Ashley and Jared headed toward Easttown, a walkable downtown area of Grand Rapids, lined with bars and restaurants. The night started at a dive bar called Mulligan's Pub, where Ashley drank tequila and Jared nursed a beer. They went down the block to the hookah lounge but didn't stay long. Just after midnight, they returned to Mulligan's for another round of drinks. It was just an average night out that would end in an extraordinarily barbaric way. I think we can all agree that time is money. So wasting time means wasting money. Along those lines, here's a life hack for you. Quit wasting time and money taking trips to the post office. With Stamps.com, you can print official postage right from your house. Think about it, if you take two trips to the post office each week and it takes about 30 minutes each time, you could save about 52 hours of time in a year by using Stamps.com instead. Think about how that 52 hours of saved time and money would affect the bottom line of your business. Every time I print postage through my Stamps.com account, I'm reminded of the money I'm saving because as an added perk, Stamps.com offers discounts of up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Over the last two years of using Stamps.com to ship Patreon perk packages to murderous supporters, my total savings is probably in the four figures, not to mention the hours of time saved. Whether you've got an Etsy shop or a large-scale warehouse, shipping with stamps.com will absolutely be a game-changer for your business. All you need is a computer and a printer, nothing fancy. Stop overpaying for shipping with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code MURDERISH for a special offer that includes a 4-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code MURDERISH. In your downtime, do you ever get overwhelmed thinking about all of the unwanted subscriptions you're paying for and haven't canceled yet? I don't know why, but the idea of hunting down every single unwanted subscription and going through the process of canceling it stresses me out. With the Truebill app, you can identify and cancel all of those unwanted subscriptions you've been wasting money on for months or years. People save up to $720 per year on average with Truebill. Think about that. That's seven more pairs of shoes or 10 boozy brunches with friends or $720 more in your bank account. Truebill is so easy to use. Just link your accounts and let Truebill go to work canceling every single unwanted subscription for you. I'm on track to save about $400 after using Truebill to get rid of subscriptions I had completely forgotten about. To be completely honest, I'll probably use that savings to buy my dogs these LA Dodgers doggy shirts I've had my eye on for quite a while. And maybe I'll even cave in and buy my eight-year-old a fish tank. Ugh. Do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com murderish go right now truebill.com/murderish it could save you thousands a year truebill.com/murderish On December 2nd, 2018, Yashika Christian smelled a foul odor coming from the basement of her boyfriend's building. Mario Nelson rented the ground floor unit of a three-story home. He and his upstairs neighbor, Jared Chance, were on friendly terms and sometimes they got high together. The basement of the home was used for extra storage by both men. They rarely went down there, but Yashika implored Mario to get to the bottom of the nauseating sewage-like odor. The couple started down the basement stairs together, but they didn't make it very far. A blood-stained tarp was laid across the steps, blocking their path. Nelson rushed back up the stairs and called 911. According to Fox 17 News, he said on his call, "...our house has been having a real bad smell lately." So I just opened the basement door, went in the basement, and there's a tarp and what looks like it could be blood leaking from it. I want the police to come here ASAP, right now, and look at it. Officers arrived on scene and proceeded down to the basement of the home. They lifted the blood-stained tarp and made a gruesome discovery. Under it was a woman's bloody torso. Later that evening, Jared Chance was jolted from sleep by the sound of police pounding on his door. Two officers detained him outside, while several others executed a search warrant. Just beyond the front door of the upstairs unit where Jared resided, officers spotted a cardboard box on the stair landing. The box was filled with several black trash bags, containing severed human limbs. A shipping label on the box listed Jared's name and address, further linking him to the dismemberment. For now, Grand Rapids PD faced the difficult task of identifying the badly maimed victim. On the night that officers discovered dismembered remains, Jared Chance was arrested on charges of mutilating a dead body and concealing a death. Detectives spent the next several weeks sifting through an abundance of evidence in an investigation that yielded surprising results. On the night of November 28th, Christine Young grew worried when Ashley was not answering her calls. It wasn't unusual for her daughter to miss calls, then later send a brief text message. But when several hours passed without any communication from Ashley, her mom began to panic. In a final attempt to get her daughter's attention, some type of reassurance that she was anxious over nothing, Christine sent a text message threatening to call police if Ashley did not call her back. After a sleepless night, Christine still had not heard anything. On November 29th, Ashley had plans to visit a friend in the hospital before meeting up with her mom. They had an appointment at the leasing office of a Kalamazoo apartment complex where Ashley planned to move. Her mom was there to co-sign the lease, but Ashley never showed up. By that time, Christy knew that something had to be terribly wrong. She reported Ashley missing with Grand Rapids Police on December 1, 2018. According to Lt. Pat Merrill, as quoted by Wood TV, she had no history of mental health issues, no drug abuse issues, no emotional distress issues I had to worry about. She was just a young lady that was hanging around with someone who wasn't a great guy. Instead of waiting around for answers, Christine took matters into her own hands. That afternoon, she drove up to Grand Rapids to confront Jared to see what he knew. He seemed forthcoming about their night out, telling Christine that he and Ashley had spent most of their time at Mulligan's. After speaking with Jared, Christine went down to Mulligan's and asked the manager if she could view surveillance video of the previous night. And sure enough, Jared and Ashley were seen at the bar in the early morning hours, but the footage did not tell the rest of the story. Like other missing persons cases where foul play is suspected, Ashley's loved ones hoped for the best while trying to prepare for the worst. While an investigation was underway, the Young family did their best to be patient. On December 3rd, the Kalamazoo County Sheriff's Office publicly declared Ashley Young a missing person. Until they had an ID on the torso in Grand Rapids, county officials had no reason to connect the remains with a missing person report. But then, on December 7th, more than a week after Ashley's disappearance, DNA analysis confirmed a horrifying truth. The body in the basement belonged to Ashley Young. Little did Christine Young know that her daughter's remains were located just below her on December 1st, as she questioned Jared about Ashley's whereabouts. As more evidence was gathered from Jared's apartment, Grand Rapids detectives began to recognize the complexity of the case. It bothered lead detectives that there didn't seem to be a motive. Everything pointed to Jared as the perpetrator but nothing in the course of the investigation implied why. Detectives began with the last time Ashley was seen alive. Emily Potgetter, a bartender working at Mulligan's on the night of November 28th, was asked if she noticed any odd behavior between the friends. According to MLive.com, she shook her head and added, Definitely not to make me think she would be missing in a couple of days. It turned out that Mulligan's was not the only security footage that captured Jared's movements that night. In the early morning of November 29th, Jared and Ashley could be seen on surveillance footage entering Miss Tracy's party store. Later that day, Jared returned to the store alone. With cameras watching, he shoved an orange plastic bag into a dumpster near the entrance before walking inside. Store receipts obtained by police provided incriminating details. Jared had purchased beer using a credit card and used cash to buy a bottle of ammonia and trash bags. Detective Sean Harmon would later testify that they had a lucky break. Harmon found the store's dumpster was still full several days after the video was recorded. He kept an eye on the trash receptacle while awaiting backup. Crime scene technicians were able to locate the orange bag, and its contents directly linked Jared to Ashley Young's murder. Inside the bag was Ashley's purse, driver's license, prescription bottles bearing her name, and a pair of jeans speckled with blood. Detectives came to realize the latest findings were just the tip of the iceberg. Cell phone records, along with a police report, would expose an unbelievable twist in the case. On December 1st, 2018, Ashley Young had been missing for nearly three days. Witnesses confirmed seeing Jared in front of his house carrying a cardboard box that held a large trash bag inside. This helped investigators establish a timeline. By this point, Jared had already dismembered the body. Several hours earlier, Jared called his parents. They arrived at his house late in the morning along with Jared's brother, Conrad, then 27. Jared's family members took turns transporting several belongings from the apartment into their Honda CRV. Then the entire Chance family drove back to their home in Holland, Michigan. It wouldn't come out until later how Jared's family found out about the gruesome crime. Conrad, Jared's little brother, later testified that when the family arrived back in Holland, Jared retrieved something from his parents' SUV and threw it into a backyard fire pit. Despite their history of not getting along, Conrad said he was the first person that Jared told about the murder. According to Wood TV, Conrad said about his brother, he was extremely upset, the most upset I've ever seen him. After that, Jared apparently told his parents what he had done. The next day, on December 2nd, James Chance supposedly convinced his son to turn himself in. They drove back to Grand Rapids and headed straight for police headquarters. According to MLive.com, Jared Chance's attorney, Andrew Rodenhouse, would later claim that when Jared attempted to turn himself in, Grand Rapids officers brushed them off. Rodenhouse claimed that the Grand Rapids PD redirected Jared and his father to Kalamazoo law enforcement, where the missing persons report for Ashley was filed. Grand Rapids police, on the other hand, were adamant that they had wanted to question Jared Chance when he came in, but his father demanded an attorney be present before his son would talk. Regardless of which version of events is factual, security footage revealed that James and Jared Chance were in and out of the Grand Rapids police station in under five minutes. Later that day, Ashley's torso was discovered in the basement of Jared's home. The encounter at the police station raised a few red flags. Detectives speculated that Jared's parents had more involvement in the crime than just giving him a ride. So they obtained a search warrant for the Chance's home in Holland. And what they found made this case even more disturbing. On December 5th, Grand Rapids police executed a search warrant on both the Chance's SUV and their home. In their Honda, detectives found an empty ammonia bottle that matched the brand their son purchased at Miss Tracy's. In addition, under a living room couch, they found a skill-reciprocating saw with blood and human tissue stuck to the blade. Similar samples were collected from inside the parents' vehicle. The forensic analysis lab confirmed detective suspicions. Human matter pulled from the saw matched Ashley Young's DNA. Detectives now believed that they had confirmation that, at the very least, Jared's parents knew about the murder and helped their son cover it up. On December 12, 2018, James and Barbara Chance were taken into custody and charged with perjury. They were also deemed accessories after the fact in the homicide of Ashley Young. Meanwhile, Jared Chance had been held at $750,000 bond inside Kent County Jail. On January 3, 2019, the charges against Jared were upgraded to second-degree murder and four counts of tampering with evidence. At a January 10th probable cause hearing, The Chance's other son, Conrad, was put in the awkward position of testifying against his own father. According to MLive.com, Conrad claimed that his brother looked very disturbed and that no one asked what was inside the boxes retrieved from Jared's apartment. At the end of the hearing, Grand Rapids District Judge Michael Distel ordered James Chance to stand trial in Kent County. Barbara Chance waived her right to a probable cause hearing and also had her case transferred to county court. During a preliminary examination on January 11, 2019, Ashley's family and friends showed their support by appearing in court dressed in matching t shirts that read, Justice for Ashley and Let's Bring Her Home. In the pretrial hearing, Judge Trusick reviewed key evidence from the prosecution, which included video surveillance forensic evidence from both Jared's apartment and his parents' home, and cell phone records underscoring perjury. At the hearing, Jared's defense team made arguments against displaying graphic crime scene photos during trial. Defense attorney Andrew Rodenhouse was quoted by Wood TV as arguing the photos were designed to inflame the jury so that they can gain a conviction on murder without having to prove murder but prosecutors believe the disturbing photos were crucial in helping jurors understand the severity of the crime. Assistant Kent County Prosecutor Lawrence Boyve said the images would prove the defendant went to great lengths to conceal the homicide. According to Wood TV, he said, after the defendant killed her, he dragged her 15, 20 feet into the bathtub upstairs, and that's where he did the majority of the dismemberment. No one in their right mind would have done that to another human unless they were the one who caused that person's death. At the end of the August 16, 2019 hearing, Judge Trusick decided that five crime scene photos could be presented strictly to jurors out of the courtroom gallery's view at the upcoming trial. What happened next was puzzling to even the most seasoned Grand Rapids detectives. On September 9, 2019, after consulting with Ashley Young's family, prosecutors offered Jared Chance a plea deal. This was done in hopes of obtaining more information from the alleged killer, so Ashley's family could finally put her to rest — all of her. In exchange for revealing how Ashley was killed and the location of her missing remains, Jared Chance would be granted a lighter sentence on the table as part of the plea deal was 31 years in prison, after which Jared would be eligible for parole. According to Michigan law, if the case went to trial and he was found guilty of murder, Jared would get a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Whether the decision was fueled by ego or maybe a wish to induce further suffering to Ashley's loved ones, Jared rejected the plea deal. According to Fox 13 News, he told Judge Trusick, I'd like to go to trial. The emotionally jarring court proceedings began on September 10, 2019. Over the course of a week, the 12-person jury was shown nearly 200 exhibits and heard testimony from 26 witnesses. In opening statements, County Prosecutor Boyvin prepared the jury for the graphic evidence they would be shown. According to News Channel 3, he stated, At the end of this trial, I'm going to ask you folks to go back to the deliberation room and bring your common sense with you. Prosecutors were certain there would be little room for doubt in Jared Chance's guilt. Throughout the trial, defense attorney Andrew Rodenhouse criticized how the Grand Rapids PD handled the case. ABC 13 quoted him as saying, There were multiple other people who were potentially involved, but nobody bothered to take a DNA swab to at least exclude them. Among the first to testify was Jared's downstairs neighbor, Mario Nelson. Prior to cross-examination, his 911 call was played for the jury. As transcribed by Fox 17 News, he told the dispatcher, Our house has been having a real bad smell lately. So I just opened the basement door, went in the basement, and there's a tarp and what looks like it could be blood leaking from it. I want the police to come here ASAP right now and look at it." Nelson's statements against the defendant were deeply incriminating. He told the jury that he saw Jared let Ashley Young into the house and just a few days later, the offensive odor was detected. Nelson also said on the stand that Jared asked for help getting into a car that belonged to Ashley. At the time, Jared told Nelson that Ashley had locked her keys in the car. But after that day, Mario never saw the vehicle again. One of the most unsettling aspects of Nelson's testimony was when he recalled a prior conversation with Jared. He said Jared boasted that he could get away with killing someone and claimed his father was in the Irish mob. As quoted by News Channel 3, Jared told Nelson he knew what to do if he was in a situation where he would have to get rid of someone the stuff that he would need to get rid of, like the blood or fingerprints or something. Nelson also testified about Jared's obsession with a 22 caliber handgun he liked to show off. When Ashley's mother, Christine Young, took the stand, she tearfully spoke about her daughter's kind nature. As cited by News Channel 3, Christine said, she was caring, she was giving, she would go without to help somebody else she also believed that there was good in everyone. The grieving mother testified that she had reached out to Jared on Facebook a few days after Ashley was presumed missing. Christine said he initially told her that Ashley left on the night of November 30, 2018, because she had to work third shift. Knowing this to be untrue, that's when Christine began to suspect foul play. Another key witness for the prosecution was Jared's friend Demetrius Taylor. The night Ashley went missing, Taylor said Jared called him to say that his friend's mother might call asking about her daughter. Jared instructed Taylor to tell Christine Young that Ashley had stopped by Taylor's apartment, used his phone, and left. But Taylor refused to comply, especially since the false alibi would cast suspicion on him. Instead, when Ashley's mother called, Taylor was forthcoming. Fox 17 News captured his testimony. On the witness stand, Taylor said, I was like, I don't know your daughter. I never met your daughter. She kind of got upset with me. Understandably, she talked about calling the cops. According to WMMT News, Jared sent a series of angry text messages to Taylor a few hours later that read, You're fucking stupid, bro. You just fucked me. Bro, delete all these messages. Conrad Chance took the stand on the third day at trial. He testified about his older brother's murder confession and a foul smelling mop that was among Jared's belongings. He also testified that his family cried together on the drive home from Holland back to Grand Rapids, where Jared's apartment was located. Conrad also recalled a time when Jared recklessly pointed his Smith & Wesson revolver directly at him and pulled the trigger. According to WMMT News, at the time, Conrad told his brother, you're never supposed to do that, adding that Jared had not even checked if the gun was loaded. That incident conveyed Jared Chance's taste for reckless violence. Up to that point in trial, many of the state's arguments seemed circumstantial. Then, several crime scene technicians and detectives testified. Evidentiary exhibits included photographed items from Jared's home, empty ammonia bottles, plastic bags, a total of three saw blades, a broken kitchen tile, and a stained white hand towel, all of which tested positive for human blood. Ashley Young's DNA was found in the kitchen sink, on a bath mat, and on clothing stuffed into a box. All of this was irrefutable evidence linking Jared directly to the crime. Then there were the items implicating his parents in a cover-up, including the saw under their living room couch, stains found in the rear of their Honda, and a shower curtain with Ashley's DNA found in their Holland home. Jury members were privately shown photos of the victim's severed limbs pulled from a box found at Jared Chance's apartment. For the court record, a crime scene tech had to describe the gruesome sight. Just hearing about it was enough to bring Christine Young to tears. It was a mother's worst nightmare. In addition to never establishing a motive, investigators had no way to pinpoint Ashley's cause of death. According to Wood TV, Kent County Chief Medical Examiner, Dr. David Start said toxicology reports turned up only alcohol and nicotine in her system. With these results, an accidental overdose was out of the question. To prove a point to the jury, prosecutors held up a blood-stained sweatshirt belonging to Ashley and asked the doctor if he thought she had died of natural causes. As quoted by Fox 17 News, Dr. Start answered, no, it seems to be consistent with dried blood or tissue or both. And if someone had a stroke, I wouldn't expect to see that degree of blood and or tissue on that shirt, no. The defense countered by asking if the doctor could rule out accidental death. According to Fox 17 News, he responded, Considering the overall circumstances of this case, I'm certainly not comfortable with this being an accidental death. Dr. Starr said he had conducted a partial autopsy using the body parts that had been found. He ultimately ruled Ashley's death as homicide by unspecified means, according to the Holland Sentinel. He added a caveat, it was impossible to determine how the victim died without examining her head and neck, which wasn't an option. Without the possibility of a full autopsy, all experts could do was speculate. As documented by the Holland Sentinel, Dr. Start believed that cuts on Ashley's torso could have been made by the reciprocating saw found in Jared's parents' home. But he thought it was likely that the victim's body was not dismembered until after her death. Through a process of elimination, Dr. Start concluded Ashley had died from either a gunshot wound or blunt force head trauma. That would explain why Jared refused to disclose where he had hidden the head, according to Prosecutor Lawrence Boyvin. Boyvin was quoted by the Holland Sentinel as saying, "'Why do you hide the head? You hide the head because that shows exactly how she died.'" Earlier in the trial, Sergeant Greg Alcala had spoken about the absence of guns when searching Jared's home. Investigators found that unusual since multiple witnesses, including Jared's own brother, had confirmed the defendant's gun ownership. While conducting a search of Jared's home, detectives found hundreds of rounds of ammunition hidden in a furnace duct leading from the basement to his apartment. In the same hiding spot, two spent shell casings were discovered, which led investigators to suspect a gun was involved in the murder. Again, without a complete set of remains, detectives could only theorize as to how Ashley was killed. Jared would not say where he had hidden the rest of Ashley's remains, and all searches had proved fruitless. As of today's date, Ashley Young's head, hands, and feet have never been recovered. In closing arguments, Prosecutor Boyvin outlined key items on which the victim's blood was found. On Jared's jeans, on his kitchen floor, and on the saw and shower curtain at his parents' house. According to the Holland Sentinel, Boyvin said, I don't know what else went out to Holland, because by the time we got there, no thanks to his family, that's plenty of time to get rid of evidence. He asked the jury to consider why Jared would have mutilated the victim's corpse if he had not caused her death. Defense attorney Andrew Rodenhouse argued there was not enough evidence to prove his client killed Ashley Young. As cited in the Holland Sentinel, Rodenhouse told the jury, What's important to note here is that Ashley Young was dead for at least 12 hours before she was mutilated. And there's no doubt she was. That's obvious to everybody. If someone was actually intentionally killing someone, they don't wait 12 hours. Rodenhouse again criticized the scope of the investigation, accusing prosecutors of having zero evidence that his client was Ashley's killer. But during rebuttal, according to the Holland Sentinel, Boyvin contended that Jared's efforts to cover up the crime included the dismemberment and use of ammonia are evidence enough that he killed her. In closing statements, Boyven also highlighted the deception of Jared's words to mislead Ashley's mother and delay the investigation. According to Fox 17 News, Boyvin said, Like any good liar, really good liars, ladies and gentlemen, they'll pepper the truth in with their lies so the beginning of the story matches up. Before jurors began deliberating, Rodenhouse made a brazen inquiry to Judge Trusick. He asked if the jury could be given instructions to consider voluntary or involuntary manslaughter for his client. Unswayed, the judge rejected Rodenhouse's request and maintained the second-degree murder charge. Then, Jared Chance's fate was placed in the jury's hands. I've struggled lately trying to find TV content that isn't just a slightly different version of something I've already watched. With Acorn TV, the content is unique and unlike anything else I've watched. Acorn TV is the largest, commercial-free, British streaming service that offers really interesting stories, original shows, and exclusive premieres that you won't find anywhere else. There's something for everyone, like dramas, history, mysteries, and comedies, just to name a few. I find myself being so captivated by the shows that I've been watching on Acorn TV, mostly because the writing and visuals are so good. And who doesn't love a British accent? Since I'm a wannabe detective, I've gotten hooked on Acorn TV original Agatha Raisin. In season four of Agatha Raisin, Ashley Jensen is back as Britain's most comical and fashionable private detective. The New York Post described the show as comically whimsical. I love that the show feeds into my inner wannabe detective and makes me laugh after a long stressful day at work. At just $5.99 a month, Acorn TV is a steal compared to other streaming services. For original shows from Britain and beyond, Acorn TV has them all. You're going to love it like I do. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and using my promo code MURDERISH, but you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters that's acorn.tv promo code murderish to get your first 30 days for free acorn.tv code murderish on September 30th 2019 the jury came back with a unanimous verdict guilty on all counts second degree murder mutilation of a corpse and evidence tampering almost 2 weeks later at the sentencing hearing the judge factored in jared's prior convictions The murder conviction marked the fourth felony offense committed by the 30-year-old. Ashley Young's murder and dismemberment seemed like the culminating act of Jared's violent history. The hearing gave Ashley's loved ones the opportunity to finally address her killer. As Christine Young bravely spoke to Jared from the podium, she kept her daughter's ashes on display. According to Oxygen, she told Jared, "'You do not deserve to breathe. Jared Chance, I hate you. I want to rip you limb from limb and discard you like trash, like you did to Ashley. I do not know what Ashley saw in you that was worth saving. Ashley's father made a rare court appearance to tell his daughter's killer, may you rot in hell. You lived your life as a coward. You will die a coward, according to WZZM 13 News. Ashley's best friend, Samantha Hunt, also conveyed her devastation. According to the Daily Mirror, she turned to Jared and said, "'You are a monster, a coward. Ashley deserved better than this. I'll spend the rest of my life hating you.'" Despite the deeply felt emotions evoked by his callous actions, Jared sat in the courtroom, expressionless. There wasn't a semblance of remorse for what he'd done. Judge Trusick made his own remarks before handing down a sentence. According to the Holland Sentinel, he said, "'This is without question the worst case I have ever been involved in. What you did and what I saw in photographs was reprehensible and heinous. You sir, are in my mind a very evil individual. You are clearly a monster without a conscience whatsoever and you are someone who is a danger to society and should never be allowed free. Jared Chance was sentenced to 100 to 200 years in prison, essentially a life sentence without the possibility of parole. This exceeded the state's sentencing guidelines of 22 to 75 years, which the judge believed was justified for several reasons. The brutality of the crime, Jared's lack of remorse, and his lies and misrepresentations to Ashley's mom, according to ABC 13 News. Judge Trusick was quoted by ABC 13 as saying that it was clearly a senseless killing and mutilation. The guidelines do not take into account the level of brutality involved and your lack of compassion and remorse. At the end of the hearing, Judge Trusick told the bailiff to take the defendant away and the courtroom erupted in applause. Feelings of relief and catharsis gave Ashley's loved ones a respite from their grief, even if only for a moment. Barbara and James Chance went on trial several months after their son. They faced up to five years in prison. On January 7th, 2020, Barbara Chance, then 64, pleaded no contest to the charges of perjury and accessory after the fact in a homicide. At his trial on January 8, James Chance, then 77, faced two perjury charges and a charge of accessory after the fact. His attorney, Laura Joyce, tried to convince a jury that the retired detective had done his due diligence by taking his son to the police station. Grand Rapids Police Department veteran Lieutenant Pat Merrill testified about his first interaction with James and Jared Chance. According to MLive.com, Merrill said that James Chance told him that his son was being harassed on social media and stated that people on Facebook had told him he had better submit himself for questioning. According to Merrill, James wouldn't let his son be interviewed without an attorney present. This was prior to any investigation, and Merrill had no authority at that point to detain him, so he let them go. To James' chance, however, this equated to law enforcement passing up the chance to catch a killer, and it was their own fault for letting him walk out. But cell phone records exposed James and Barbara Chance lying to investigators about their whereabouts on the days surrounding the crime. This meant they had committed perjury. As the jury deliberated, they had difficulty reaching a unanimous verdict on one of James's perjury charges which led to it being dismissed. While both parents faced up to a year in prison for their role in the crime, they received incredibly lenient sentences. In early June of 2020, Barbara was sentenced to 45 days in jail while James received 30 days. Both had a year's probation tacked on. This amounted to being incarcerated for only a few weeks after evidence indicated that they had helped to cover up a vicious murder. People surmised that James Chance's background in law enforcement was a factor in him and his wife getting off easy. The Chance's sentences were extremely disappointing to Ashley's parents and stepmom, who told Fox 17 News the outcome made them lose faith in the legal system. Referring to James and Barbara Chance, Christine Young told Fox 17 News, "'My daughter isn't home. "'I'm still waiting. "'We're still looking for the rest of her "'because of things they chose to do.'" In September of 2020, friends of Ashley Young gathered on the front lawn of Barbara and James Chance's home. Many people still cling to the belief that Jared's parents know the location of Ashley's missing remains. Eva Molina, one of Ashley's closest friends, told the Holland Sentinel, we just want her back and we want them to see that we're not going anywhere. They know where she is and we just want her home to be able to lay her to rest. Molina and other friends held up signs in front of the Chance's home displaying messages like Ashley Matters and Bring Ashley Home. Christine Young and her partner, Dana Nelson, continued to speak to news outlets, hoping someone will come forward with more information. Nelson told Fox 17 News, "'If you know what happened "'and you don't do anything about it, "'you're just as guilty as Jared, "'just as guilty as the person who committed it.'" Today, Jared Chance still refuses to reveal the location of Ashley's missing remains, and it's unclear if his parents have that knowledge. It's possible the remains were destroyed before detectives took Jared into custody. Jared is serving time at a state prison in Saginaw County, Michigan. In early 2021, he filed an appeal. His attorney argued that jurors should have been allowed to consider the lesser offense of manslaughter. The sentence was too harsh and the judge defamed him by calling him evil. A three-judge panel rejected the appeal keeping Jared's conviction and sentencing unchanged. In early December of 2021, the three-year anniversary of Ashley's death, family and friends gathered at the Tri-Cities Family YMCA for a memorial event. They released colorful balloons in Ashley's memory and reminisced about her kindness. Ashley's stepmom told the Grand Haven Tribune that the family has been collecting funds for a potential reward. Dana Nelson said, We wanted to keep her memory alive. We want people to remember what happened. We're trying to raise money so that if anyone comes through with real information that we can use, we can have money to give them. We still have hope that someone is going to tell us where the rest of her is. The trauma, grief, and pain are still there, depriving Ashley's loved ones of much needed answers. It seems like the wound will never fully close as long as some of Ashley's remains are unaccounted for. We may never truly know what happened the night Ashley Young was killed. By all accounts, she was a giving, nurturing, and generous person, and this makes it even harder to understand what may have driven her so-called friend to kill her. It's possible Jared had feelings for her, attempted to act on them, and then became enraged after being rejected. Or perhaps Ashley embodied everything Jared could never have—a stable upbringing, a bright future, countless people who cared about her. And maybe he resented her for it. Or it's possible that Ashley's murder was premeditated—a retaliation for the falling out that happened years ago between them. It's always a dangerous game trying to apply reason to the behavior of a calculated killer. In this tragic case, A young woman's good intentions were exploited by the worst kind of human, one who takes everyone else down with him. Ashley Young's family will never have her back in their lives, but there is still hope that her remains will be located and laid to rest in a way that could bring her loved ones some sense of peace and comfort. I appreciate you for joining me on this episode of Murderish. If you've binged every episode of the podcast and don't want to wait for the next episode to drop, consider becoming a Patreon supporter. As soon as you sign up to become a Murderish Patreon supporter, you'll get immediate access to a bunch of ad-free episodes of Murderish that cover cases not available on the free version of the podcast. Visit Murderish.com, click the link to go behind the scenes to become a Patreon supporter or just go to Patreon.com and search for Murderish there. CrimeCon is only a month away. It's happening in Las Vegas this year, and tons of true crime podcasters will be there on Podcast Row. I'll be there, and I'm really hoping to meet as many listeners as I can. If you're planning to attend CrimeCon, use my code MURDERISH for 10% off a standard badge. That's code MURDERISH for 10% off. If you're on the fence about attending CrimeCon, I can tell you from experience that it's such a fun and worthwhile event. Head over to CrimeCon.com and use code MURDERISH for 10% off a standard badge. If you enjoy Murderish, there are so many ways to support the show. Tell your friends about the podcast, purchase items from brands who sponsor the show using my unique promo code, wear Murderish merch while you're out and about, and trust me, it's a great conversation starter when you wear a Murderish t-shirt to the grocery store. Check out Murderish.com for a link to buy t-shirts, bags, coffee mugs, and more. You can also leave the show a positive rating and review in any podcast app or become a Patreon supporter. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Murderish Podcast. You can also find the show on Twitter and Facebook. Murderish sound design and audio editing is by Justin Hellstrom. Some of the music was composed by Nico of We Talk of Dreams, This episode was researched and written by Allison Schwartz. Visit Murderish.com to see a list of sources used for this episode. As always, ishers, thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't mean you're a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish.